Welcome to the One Stiletto in the Grave podcast with your hosts, Sonny Ormond and Jane James. Well, hello, everyone. In today's podcast, we're reflecting on the downs and many ups of advancing years. Tight belts and corsets. Janey on the trials of the M25 and the joys of the Sunday pill sorter. Sonny on the trials of spaghetti bolognese and the joys of finding Lillian. Oh, yes, and the truth behind those clippy cloppies. Well, welcome to the One Stiletto in the Grave podcast with me, Sonny Ormond, actor. And me, Jane James, writer. <laughs> what are we going to talk about, Jane? What do you think we should talk about today? What should we talk about today? Um, mm. OK, I don't want to talk about the M25 because it was bloody horrible yesterday oh, coming up. So, really? But I, I gave d- you a bottle of wine when, when you got there, didn't I? You did, but you drank, you drank half of it yourself, so... <laughs> But it was a very pleasant evening. It, it was a very pleasant evening. Took my mind off the M25. And it wasn't spaghetti bolognese. It wasn't spaghetti for bolognese. Once, was no, it? no, no garlic bread either. But hey, I live in hope. Next yeah. time. Next time, definitely next time. Definitely next time. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I was listening to the omnibus yesterday, mm. and you I, mean the arches? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't listening to a bus travelling no, down to the that, yeah. to the right. station. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to ask you mm. about being a radio actor, because if you're a theatre actor, they always say you start with the shoes, don't they, actors? Mm. I've heard people say that. Mm. And it occurred to me that when you're in a radio studio, presumably mm. you're not dressed as Lillian, are you? I try not to. <laughs> um, no, 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 I'm not, no. So how do, you, how do you find Lillian, then? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think when you, as an actor... You don't have the opportunity of playing a part for as long as I've been playing Lillian. You, you only get that opportunity if you're in soaps, you know, whether it's radio sure. or TV. So it's quite unusual to be with a character for that long. Mm. As a consequence, of course, you find a huge amount of dimension within the character if you're with them for that length of time. But initially, I think it is very much, as you say, even in radio, things like shoes are important. I mean, for me as an actor, I'm sure everybody's slightly different, but for me as an actor, it is about the physicality. It's about potentially the way the character looks. Um, Different if it's theatre or TV, obviously, because you you are physically representing that. But on radio, you have to imagine that. Um, for instance, with Lillian, um, I do have a pair of what I call my clippy cloppies. Um, I don't know, we may have referred to this before in a previous podcast, I'm not quite sure, but these are the shoes that um, are in the store cupboard uh, at the mailbox where we recall the arches. Um, and uh, they just sound very much like a pair of stilettos. They don't look like stilettos, actually. They literally are slip-ons, which are a bit too big for me. But they make a wonderful sound, that, that really metallic, sharp sound mm. so for me finding the shoes was important because she is a woman who always wants to look well dressed always wants to look smart and she's definitely a you know a, a stiletto lady unless she's riding of course and which is slightly different um so that was crucial for me in radio and i know other radio actresses i've seen if they're playing a character that is quite physically out there they'll go for shoes because it just helps with the deportment and then you just vocally feel oh you know you're on top of it and certainly with her having found her eventually I know when I'm in studio and I walk into the microphone or whatever in a room I have a her walk is different to Sunny's I can't really explain that you know because she's just full of energy and life and 
um, you know, she'll throw her head back and because she always wants to look smart and glorious and gorgeous and wants people to see her. She wants to be seen. So there is certainly that element, whereas I might just slouch into studio. <laughs> or not. But theatre is... is it's slightly different but similar, um, particularly if you're doing period stuff, you sure. know, and even in radio doing period stuff because they always will provide you, you know, with what practice skirts, which are the skirts that you you would wear, which are kind of long skirts, swishy, usually satin, so the listener can pick the, the, the swishing up as you're walking, gives them oh, the picture right. of what's going on, but it helps you as an actor. I always try and wear a really tight belt if also I'm doing something like that because it you know, gives you the feeling of maybe having a corset. And certainly in theatre, you're really encouraged if you're doing a period piece um, you know, to wear a practice skirt. And, and I always try and get hold as soon as I can if I'm in theatre of the shoes I'm, I'm actually going to be wearing in performance right. because that really does help a lot. And I like to be able to... I mean, you always... if you have a re- When you have a read-through for theatre plays, you have the designer there, uh, the read-through, so you'll get an idea of, obviously, what you're wearing. So that helps because that informs you in your head. You've got an idea of what you're going to look like. Um, and... Um, but, yes, it does... the The... You know, if you're doing period stuff with corsets and things like that, there's a restricted element to your movement, which then manifests in the character possibly that you're playing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it all that helps hugely. Um, and the, the walk, the feel, informs a lot. The, it form, it's about a muscle memory as well, um, you know, trying to find that character. And if you think of... Uh, so I think... You played Shirley Valentine. You did quite a big tour of Shirley Valentine some years back. And how much of Shirley Valentine was Sonny and how much was the director's view of Shirley Valentine and how much was the costume director's view of Shirley Valentine? Where, mm. I'm trying to think, mm. is she a composite of all those things? Where does she come from? And the writer, yeah. of course. Yes, right. Um, I think, you know, lots of... Women, of course, lots of actresses have played Shirley Valentine, as, as lots of actresses have played lots of, of, of parts, you know. I think it comes from your own, initially, your interpretation, your instinct about a character when you read it, how you would play it. Um, and so you read the whole thing with Shirley Valentine, of course, it's a monologue, it's a 35-page monologue. So beautifully written by Willie Russell, brilliantly written, mm-hmm. actually, um, which helps hugely. Um but because, particularly with Shirley, the way he's written her, she's in lots of different sorts of scenarios, you're very quickly given um, an insight into the different aspects of her personality, how she um, reacts to those different situations that she finds herself in, which begins to build up a picture for you of the character. Um, but it really is your internal interpretation, your instinct, when you get hold of that script... So, I don't. It's quite an interesting question, actually. Something sort of happens inside. It's like build, building a house. Things pop into place. Then, of course, you get your director, and the director um, has their own um, idea of what they want from the production. So then you are working in unison with the director. Mm. And if it's a good director, they probably know what they want, but they, they don't show you in so many terms as to what they want. They, they manage somehow to, to, to formulate that within you, to find that within you, to suggest things with you, and, and combination of your instinct about the character and what they would like from it somehow. You're, it's like plasticine or whatever. You, you get there in the end. I, I think that's a really interesting observation about directors because I've, I've watched this as a writer sitting in the mm. corner that 
there's a director who knows exactly what they want, but they don't tell the actor that straight away. It's moving a step at a time in that direction. And and so in the end they get they get what they want. But it's 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 a very, very, very skillful task, isn't it, to lead someone it's a I was so happy to say it's a journey, but you do lead they mm. do lead you down a mm. down a path that takes them takes you exactly where they want you to go. They do. And and I think yeah, this is an epic statement, but I think the good directors are those directors that actually they know what they want, they have an idea about the production, how they mm-hmm. see it. But if they're really sensible, they first of all observe what the actor's bringing to it. Then they can adapt that actor's performance yeah. to what they want. The directors who impose stuff, um, it, you know, you, it's never going to be a happy marriage and yeah. the production won't be that good because it's not, it's not cemented. It's, it's curious, actually, because I remember when I very first did Shirley Valentine, um, uh, the director saying, I mean, I got the part, I was very fortunate to, to um, get the part. He was saying to me years later in the sort of bar or something, he said, I knew the minute you walked in the room that you, before you'd open your mouth, you were my Shirley. Now, that's really an interesting thing. So there must have been an energy that I was bringing, you know. But that was something he thought... That was an energy he he thought he wanted from his Shirley. So even before we began... I, I was I was streets ahead, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, of course. But it was quite interesting he, he, him um, saying that to me. So going back to what I was asking, in a way, you are in that scenario. You are you were a bit of Shirley. Yes, obviously, which is your, your neck. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was bringing yeah. something. Um, and what about Lillian? Are you Lillian? <laughs> I'd like to be Lillian. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> well, I'd love to be Lillian, yeah, because she's yeah. just outrageous, isn't she? She, 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 yeah. she? she says what she, you know, we'd all like to say. She just says and does things. I, I don't think I'm quite as brave as mm. that, actually. Um, but no, I love her because she, she's got so many different facets and she's just fun and everybody loves her. And she, she just, you know, she says what she thinks. She does, she does what she wants. She lives life, doesn't she? Seizes the day, um, not faced by anything. And, um, you know, when she walks in a room, she's in a room. <laughs> she doesn't think twice about stuff. So what, what aspects of you do you think you see in Lillian? I think what I, I think what I'd like to say I've brought to her, uh, others may disagree, um, is I, want, I knew quite early on when I got the part, and I was thrilled to get the part, she was a bit of a three-dimensional character at that stage, you know, gin-swigging, cigarette-smoking, man-hunting. And you can only keep that up for a certain length of time. Oh, two-dimensional, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to find more dimension in there. Um, and... Particularly with something like the Archers, where we've got a huge graph of actors, and I'm, what I mean that in terms of the types of characters that we are. So, at one end, you've got lovely Emma Grundy, you know, who's got to deal with the hard things of life, and there are many characters like that. Then the other end, you've got your Lillian Bellamy's, and you've got your your Eddie Grundy's, who are kind of larger than life. And so, but these people have all got to live together, mm. and for the listener, they've got to be believable, and they can listen, <clears throat> you know, within that community. Um, and I felt with Lillian, in order to her, for her to have some longevity as a character, we had to see her vulnerability. So I think what I brought to it as an actor was possibly, you know, that, really. That, that, uh, because I tend to always try and find the heart of a character. So I think that's what I brought to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I can see that she has become more vulnerable, hasn't she, mm. over the years? Mm. And... Um, but without losing the feistiness. That's right. And then I hope the audience can, you know, take, um, uh, you know, when she's outrageous, they say, oh, yeah, it's totally believable because we've got another side to her. She's not one-dimensional. Yeah. Mm. 
No, that's that, that that's true. That's true. Good old Lillian. And she's getting on, isn't she? You know, yeah. You know, I have to say, she's supposed to be seventy-five. I, I'm younger than that. But you know, it brings you on. You know how how people view you as you get older. Oh, how do you get cross? Do you? I do you get, get very, very cross <laughs> about being referred to as elderly, which happens. You know, spent a fair bit of time in and out of hospitals and mm. in the last few years. And yeah, both Nick and I get referred to as elderly a fair bit, and it makes my blood boil. We are not elderly. Mm. There is, I think I got Dorothy to say it's in a player rope for you, didn't I? Once that they lump everybody from 60 to 110 mm. in the same group, and mm. you're all tarred mm. with the same brush. Um, mm. I mean, having said that, I know I'm getting a bit older. Mm. Um, did I, I don't know if I told you this. I, uh, this is how I knew I was getting older the first time. Yeah. So I was going out for the evening um, and I dressed myself up, looked in the mirror and I thought, you've still got it. I thought, you look <laughs> short and dead gorgeous. So walked down to the station, got on the train, which was crowded, two men immediately stood up to give me their seat and I was crushed. <laughs> oh, Jamie. Yeah, I think I did age 20 years, yes. kind of in that oh, 10 seconds. Tragic. Yeah. maybe though you have to think maybe they wanted you to sit down because you were so beautiful that they just wanted to be able to look at you you know from that seated position <coughs> with love well well that is a, it's a very Let's be generous positive about supposition this. sonny but <laughs> but i'm not sure that uh, i'm not sure that was the truth but you know i'm thinking about that i mean that is a typical one isn't it of yeah. people giving up the seats on tubes or trains or what have you which is lovely in many ways but that people have been doing that to me for years, which is a bit concerning, really, when I think about it, you know. So I must have looked pretty ancient when I was maybe in my 40s, I don't know. Oh, I but i tell you something that happened to me, actually, not long ago. I was helping out at a, 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 a charity thing, and um, one of the people was there, and it was about moving sort of, you know, um, combustible things into bags. So there were quite some heavy, heavy things, and there were different roles that you could do within, this, the, within the charity. And, uh, and she looked at me, and she said, of course, packing... Yeah, she said it can be very heavy work. <laughs> so oh. To say, I think you're a bit too old, really, a bit too old and fragile to do the packing. And, it, and I just, I thought, oh, hang on a minute, you wouldn't have been saying that to me if I was in my, you know. It was, no. it was a moment. I thought, oh, gosh, yes. And it's just assumption, isn't it? They look at date of birth or whatever and assume that mm. you, you can't do stuff. Mm. Uh, it, it, it makes me cross. Mm. We got a phone call the other day mm. um, offering us... A free medical alert pendant. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much, but I don't really think we need that. No. Right and, then we, and we're constantly sort of getting um, letters through the door for retirement conferences, you know, and, and um, oh, really? oh, you know, retirement complexes and things like that. And you think, oh, really? You know. it's the, but it's the age, isn't it? Because they, you know, they find, get the data, don't they? And then things come thundering through the letterbox. And, you know, and you think, oh, crikey, have I got here? Well, I think you're right. You know, I changed sex on Facebook some years ago now um, because I was on Facebook as a female and I just got sick to death of being fed adverts about wrinkles and belly fat. It's all oh, I saw. I didn't um, know you'd done that, actually. Yeah, yeah, so I'm male on Facebook now and I, I have not seen a wrinkle. I haven't seen an advert for wrinkles. That's clever. So what do you get them fat. for now? Um, Russian brides and Viagra mostly. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I don't take that so personally. You can distance yourself from that a bit. I can distance you? myself from it. Yes, yes. yes I've not, I've not explored either of those routes. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, that if you're a bloke, you clearly don't get wrinkles or belly fat. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. Yeah. that was new. You just to can't me. get it up. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know. 
unless you've got a Russian bride, I suppose. Well, I don't clearly. know. But that's why know. you need the Viagra, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's not go down that no, route. No, let's not go down that um, route. But yeah, no. no. But um, we, I do have a, talking of pills, I do have a pill, do you have a pill sorter? I do, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, See, we have tragic. Pill, we have pill sorter Sunday, so we sort the pills. Oh, on a Sunday, put them in. Yeah. We've got matching pill sorters. Have you? That's we charming. It's That's nice, nice, isn't it? Yes. Yes. The family that sorts pills together stays together, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Nick hasn't made some because he's very handy, isn't he? You know. He is. He is quite handy. Mm. But um, no, we inherited when my mother died. We inherited her pill sorter, and it was so nice. We bought another one the same. Oh, so lovely. yeah, different colours for different days of the week, just in case we don't know what day it is. Yeah. And um, and we sort the pills on a Sunday. Well, that day could come, of course, when you don't know what the day of the week is. So it'll be handy then. Oh, know? it will be handy. It actually does happen more does often. It? And during lockdown, I rarely knew what month it was. Do you know who I am? Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've seen you before. You're the nurse, aren't you? <laughs> nurse You're here with the pills. <laughs> um, yes, that's it. That's it. No, but yes. No, but yes. But no, but yes. No, but yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself thinking, uh, so I thought this the other day, I thought I'll buy a new pair of jeans, and then I thought, I got myself thinking, I've got a new, I've got enough pairs of trousers to see me out now. See you out. I love that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Or thinking about, you know, I, I'm quite partial to... Marks and Spencers myself uh, with, mm. with their jeans because they do different. I have Marks and Spencers different jeans. sizes, don't yeah. they? Different lengths because you know. Yeah. And I like Peruno, but I remember going into Marks and Spencers not long ago and saying because they'd moved it all right. Now they moved. I couldn't find. I didn't know where they put them. So I said to this assistant, "Can you um, just tell me where the Peruno?" And she looked me up and down and she said, "For you or your daughter." Oh, oh I was hurt. Yeah. So you see, there again. Yeah. In the same no, territory. There's a. Close up around the corner from me, uh, you know, we moved four or five years ago. Lovely high street, despite all the nail bars. Uh, walked into the clothes shop and um, and the woman just looked at me and said, I don't think we've got anything for you. And I, oh, I've never been in this since, no, oddly enough. I'm not surprised. Cutting. That yeah. is cutting, I isn't it? I don't know what on earth. I was just no, thumbing no. through her drawers and, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was it. No. Nothing for you. It's that section, isn't it, in TK Maxx as well, where they've got the mods bit, you know, yes. and the mod... Re- I mean, I have seen to be, you know, having a, a nose through that and getting some mm. odd, rather odd looks, you know, from assistants. It's, oh, dear, she's sad, isn't she? There you go. There but, you go. you know, but if we look good in it... Quite. Which we do. I think both of us dress, quite, we do. dress pretty well, I don't, don't we? Think we're not mutton dressed as land, darling, no, are we? No, 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 no. We sw- and that's just such a horrible expression anyway, isn't it? No, it's horrible, I yes. think we scrub up nicely. Yeah. Um, it's just that sometimes the rest of the world doesn't see that. They don't see us as we see ourselves. No. Because um, no. I still have to work out. If people ask me how old I am, mm. I still have to do the maths to work mm. it out because mm. I, I genuinely mm. can't remember. Mm. In my head, mm. I'm sort of somewhere around about 52. Mm. What, what, what mm. age are you in your head? It's interesting, actually. You say, well, I, I think... I think in some ways I'm still sort of in my early 20s mentally. Oh, and are the, you? I think so. I mean, I know I don't look like that physically. I'm, 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 I'm very You're mindful. You're not far off, love. Oh, thanks, darling. But, but I think just in the way I am, my spirit, I suppose, is maybe right. what I would say. I think I'm, I, and I still hope I've got the energy and the interest in life and mm. the thirst for adventure and new things and to be stimulated. And yeah, so I think definitely I, I, I think there's part of me. And I just get a bit you know fed up when I suddenly you know I'm rushing around doing all sorts of things and think oh gosh I feel a bit tired here or I nod off to sleep you know watching mm. the news at six o'clock and I think hang on a minute that didn't used to happen it's that awareness your body is not quite as robust as maybe it used to be but um 
I think we're pretty young for our age, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, it's interesting you talk about 20s. You were very together in your 20s. I was a bit of a twit in my 20s, so I, I certainly don't want to feel... Yeah, I don't want to go back to that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel maybe I could, maybe I could uh, go down a bit and say... Mid forties is what I feel like. Is a good, comfortable place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it is a. It's not that I'm embarrassed about being. Mm. Hang on, just doing the maths. Sixty-seven. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. I just can't remember it. Mm. Yeah, and where does the time go? That's something you know. I, I sometimes I think, oh, how you know, how did we get here? I mean, how did that happen? Really? Um, yeah. Well, um, I think we just look in the mirror, and that and that reminds us, doesn't it? Really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but you know, I think one of the things thinking about being twenty and all that. So, actually, I think I'm more confident in myself now. I think I'm braver now. Do you? Yes, I do. Than in my in my twenty in in, in terms of you know my opinions or uh, yeah, I, and I think I enjoy people more because I think I was always very anxious about what people were thinking about me. I still do to a certain extent, but. I can enjoy life a bit more. I can forget about me more if I meet people I'm in a social situation. I can enjoy the moment. Um, I used to get very anxious about, you know, what people thought of me and uh, or should I be there? And it, it, very odd, very but odd. Is that in work or in social situations or both? Both, I think, possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, although work-wise, I. I I once I got a character, I could lose myself very much in that, and oh, then I'd forget all the other stuff. I mean, you still get anxious about am I doing a good job, but the focus was taken about creating a character and the psychology of that character, and so um, yeah, it mattered less really. Um, I was always confident on stage. Yeah, you're doing a good job, but it was always confident on stage. But no, um, I, I was quite a shy child, um, and I think maybe that was one of the reasons that I was attracted to to acting because it enabled me to be brave, or to be people that I felt a bit anxious about being. Just you know, funny, isn't it? Interesting that because mm. you know, to my uneducated mm. head, I'd think I was I was a shy child too, mm. and. I would have thought that that, in a way, being on stage is the last thing that you want. But um, yeah, I, c- I can see that. I mean, I like I was I'm a rubbish actor, absolutely mm. terrible. But on the occasions I have been on stage, mm. being me, I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Mm. I like mm. doing presentations and that sort mm. of thing. Mm. Um, and that's that's acting, isn't it? That's performing. I, I suppose. It's yeah, yeah, it's performing. But on a persona, right? Yeah, you to do that. But I, yeah, no, I, I, but I like you. Know, I was. I was not at all brave, and particularly in particularly in social situations. And I, I, I think I missed a lot through that. Mm. I look back now. I think about you know when your son Jake was christened and mm. um, Sarah Cow. We always talk about Sarah, mm. don't we? We do miss her horribly. Mm. Um, so Sarah Cow, Caroline Bone from the Arches, mm. was there, and you said, "Well, I'll introduce you." I was like, "Oh no, mm. no, I mm. couldn't. I mm. couldn't possibly." You know, like what would she? What mm. interest would she have in a person mm. like me? Mm. And then when I did get to know her, mm. you know, we got on like a house on fire. Mm. We were really, really, really good friends. Mm. But mm. we could have been good friends for mm. another eight or nine years if I hadn't been such a wuss. Mm. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I kind of always wanted to, to be sure that it was that I was going to get a good, you know, that I was good enough. Mm. 
It's mm. about not feeling good enough. Yes, absolutely, or interesting enough. Or, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, over the years, obviously, working in theatre, radio, whatever, you, you know, you work with some people who are well-known, if you know what I mean. They've yeah, been yeah. on the box a lot, or they're well-known names. And there is inevitably, I know exactly what you mean, when you first meet, you know... Uh, I feel that, you know, oh, my mm. goodness. And you try and analyse what that's about. And because they've been figures, I don't know, that are larger than life, you, you suddenly become very impressed by this huge persona, forgetting they're actually just a human being like you. And they're probably really anxious coming into a situation. Yeah. Actually, it's quite interesting if you turn that on its head and it's a really famous film star or somebody who was really famous. Um, put yourself in that position with them because they they're just as insecure as we are because we're all insecure. But how, you know, they walk into a room and think, well, are people being, what are they seeing with me? Are they being nice to me because I'm, you know, famous in inverted commas? Or mm. And who can I trust? That, that must be part of that, mustn't it, as well, if you're really well known? You know, yeah. people just sort of fawning. or So to try and find, and I guess, relationships in that situation, you know. I, I guess you're right because we kind of carry, I, I think, um, you know, Alan Bennett covers this quite a lot in his diaries, you know. Um, and I think, yes, if you meet someone like Alan Bennett, you've got your internal Stephen Fry, somebody mm. kind of dead famous like that. Mm. You've got this internal image of what they're like, mm. uh, which actually probably is only a, a few facets of what mm. they're like. Mm. And then it's, so mm. for them, it's like, well, do I be the person that they think I am? Mm. Is this ungrammatical? Mm. Or, or, or do I be me? Mm. Mm. Um, but it's not a very good starting point for a relationship, mm. I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, this not feeling good enough is. Mm. I, I think, and I think it's really common. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, mo everybody's very good, whether they're actors or not, are putting on a persona and mm. getting through things. And, you know, I think everybody sort of feels that. Am I good enough? Should I be here? Will they see through me? You know, yeah. um, uh, all that, as I think. Um, I mean, you know, I've been with Lillian, as I say, for 20 odd years now. And of course, that gives me a level of confidence when I pick up a script and I go into yeah. it's. For, but if, if you gave me a script for a new play and mm. I didn't know that character, I'd be so nervous going into the read-through mm. because I think, what am I doing? And well, what do people think? And, oh, gosh, I've, I've, I'm, am I nailing this or am I really off tangent here? You know, it's, it's um, it, no matter how much you've done, I think you, you're still as insecure. And, again, if you're really well-known and you go into a situation of a new play, the, people's expectation is huge and you must... They're still sitting there thinking, can I do this? Yeah. Can I nail it? Who am I? What am I doing? So, again, it, that, that's... Quite, um, yeah, it's interesting. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And I suppose that's all part about, you know, part of the bravery. Uh, fairly recently, I, I did a, a friend's a read through for a friend. It's a new play. They just wanted to bring the thing off, off, off the page. And I, I was assessing this myself then. It was, I didn't know the character or anything like that. But I really enjoyed the experience. And I really enjoyed seeing people I hadn't seen them for a long time. And I remember thinking, and some people I didn't know, would I have been, would I have enjoyed this experience as much when I was younger? And I think that was to do with the fact, I, I just was me. I, I think I have got braver. I was no. forgetting, I was just enjoying other people. I wasn't in, as important, I was enjoying them. Whereas years ago, all the time, I think, what are they thinking of me? So yeah. you stop being in the moment, don't you? You do. Um, you do. And yeah. I think as now that we're older, we can look back over, you know, 50, 60 years or whatever of experience of being with people or you know doing a particular job or whatever mm. and we've got a track record mm. you know mm. Uh, mm. 
yeah, I still get anxious about you know meeting new people, but I do have a track record of friends, so I know that I'm not entirely unlikable mm. Um, mm. because because I have people who I've known for a very long time mm. who haven't dumped me yet. Mm. Um, and, and the same with work, uh, you know, with writing or whatever. I I know that I've written things that have been successful before, mm. so I can. I can think that it's at least feasible that I might turn out something that's okay, mm. even though it's not necessarily, you know, 100% that I will. Mm. So we, yeah, we. The older we get, mm. the more of a, the more experience we have to mm. draw on of mm. having absolutely having done it before and it's been okay. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the problem, isn't it? When you're younger, you you everything's new everything so you new. haven't got the luggage or the baggage there to say actually that was okay that moment you remember it. so it's, it's all new and it's very yeah. it's quite scary as a, as a consequence of that um yeah. yeah it's 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 more comfortable being braver now i mean like i think it depends on the situation that you're in as well and the people that you're with i'm sure i'm st- would still get very overwhelmed by certain situations but generally i think um and also just that thing of knowing that other people probably are feeling like you are. Whereas when I was younger, I thought it was just me. But yeah. actually, the fact that you think, well, I'm sure they are too, somehow eases everything and, and um, you can extend yourself more, hmm. empathise a bit more with it. Yeah, I, I don't want to go back to... I don't think I would pay, take any amount of money to go back to being 20 or, mm. or even 30 or whatever. I feel very comfortable where I am now. Mm. Um, I just wish the rest of the world would realise that I am not entirely washed up and (laughs) and ready for burial. (laughs) Oh, darling. Perhaps I should change my lippy. (laughs) Maybe it's as simple as that, love. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe I should stop wearing the goth makeup and uh, and looking like Bride of Frankenstein or something. Perhaps perhaps that would help. (laughs) Well... Well... yeah, I could do with a cup of coffee about you. Oh, cup of Glass tea. Glass of wine. Uh, Spaghetti bog. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our One Stiletto in the Grave podcast. If you'd like to see behind-the-scenes clips and bonus content, please visit our Facebook page, One Stiletto in the Grave podcast. And if you'd like to ask any questions, follow us on Twitter at One Stiletto 65. This podcast is produced by Raggedy House Productions and the music composed by Tom Smith. See you next time!